0: A lot has been said and written about how tough the COVID-19 lockdown measures were on many South Africans economically, but two researchers looked beyond the impact of the pandemic on the pockets of individuals. They measured the emotional toll the lockdown had on people. And I'm Kagura Cheche, welcome to the Pasha podcast. I'd like to welcome them to introduce themselves.
1: So, I'm um, Sarita Pele-Gonzalez. I am a lecturer in the School of Geography, Archaeology and Environmental Studies at VITS University. And I'm currently finishing off my PhD in the School of Architecture and Planning, also at VITS.
2: And um, Miriam Modoni I'm Miriam Modoni-Mainer. Currently, I'm a research fellow at the University of Manchester in the African Cities Research Consortium. Awesome,
0: and thank you for joining us today Miriam and Sarita, so let's just get into your findings. The first of your findings was that people suffered from mental health issues. Would you please take
1: us through this? We basically monitored a host of diary entries that participants sent to us during the hard lockdown in South Africa, which happened between March and May 2020, as many of us will remember. and. In those diary entries that we received from people from across Gauteng um, province in South Africa, we had about 21 people send us diary entries. And in those diary entries, when we started reading through them during the lockdown and when we looked on, looked at them after that period, we really noticed that there was common themes of feelings of anxiety, of frustration, of isolation. Um, that seemed to recur in these diary entries from people wherever they were based and what, whatever kinds of households they lived in. And it was quite telling that as the lockdown went on, those feelings seemed to get worse and worse. Um, the feelings of anxiety seemed to come a lot from the fact that it was an unknown virus. People knew very little about it. So there was anxiety around how you know, what COVID would do. There was an anxiety around seeing people breaking lockdown regulations and also just general fear around COVID-19. And then feelings of isolation and frustration came from being alone, um, not having social interaction, people being separated from their daily routines that they were used to. And we found as the lockdown got extended, it was initially supposed to be 21 days and then it became six weeks. We saw that those feelings of frustration and isolation got worse.
0: But, Miriam, uh, one of the things that you mentioned in your research is that where people lived and their socioeconomic positioning impacted their mental well being. Could you expound on this?
2: In the research, what we did was we invited participants to. To give us daily diaries of what they were doing and where they were going, and I mean what what they were doing and what they were observing, but also what we tried to do as researchers was 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 uh, recruit participants from different parts of the province, different sort of neighborhoods, different types of living conditions, different types of. Um, uh, sort of family setups by virtue of where someone was was living when they went under lockdown. So, for example, we had, as Sarita said, over 20 participants and some were living in a gated complex, for example. Some were living in an apartment, but in a gated complex. Others were living in the inner city neighborhoods within, uh, whether it's Johannesburg or in Pretoria or in the East Rand. Others were living in sort of township freestanding houses, uh, informal settlements, so the spatiality, which is the where where you were locked down, which sort of neighbourhood and what was around you, but also the structure itself, the sort of configuration of the unit or the house, and then also who you were locked down with, began to really impress on people's experiences of the lockdowns. And you could see from from the diaries, for example, if someone was in a gated complex, which are normally designed to have um, shared um, shared open spaces or shared play areas, um, suddenly. Um, you could begin to see people getting very frustrated if there's a lot of noise coming from the shared space, or perhaps children are playing. But also something I wanted to flag was also, um, for example, access to open spaces began to become important. So whether or not someone's house had access to a yard or a bit of a space where you could go and sit outside, a balcony of sorts began to to impact. Some people who are in apartment blocks, which necessarily don't have balconies or yards and, and especially in the hard lockdown where we were not allowed to, to take walks or go out other than to buy essential goods. Sarita, you mentioned when looking at other
0: literature, you found that food security issues were a challenge. Would you please unpack this problem?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think there's been a lot of scholarship that's tried to look at the impact that lockdown and especially the hard lockdown had on people's well-being. So along with mental health, one of the very prominent themes that has come out in South Africa and I think across the globe is that of food security. And research in South Africa has been undertaken since the lockdown began. And they basically tracked people's experiences of the lockdown, checked in with them via phone call or through an app and got them to respond to a host of questions. And in this other research, what came up very strongly was that people really struggled with food security, and especially during the hard lockdown. So an estimated 400,000 children were said to have gone hungry For every phase that the research was undertaken and there was evidence that there were drastic increases in household and child hunger in south africa and research also showed that this hunger had spatial dimensions so just over 30 percent of urban adult respondents who lived in shacks said that at least one person in that house had gone hungry in the past week And this was very different to people who lived in suburban areas where just over 10% of adult respondents said someone had gone hungry. So hunger was a prominent theme across the lockdown. It was especially pronounced during the harder forms of the lockdown. um, And it seems to have been connected a lot to where people lived and their incomes.
0: We've asked some colleagues to read some of the diary entries.
2: Some of the guys are informal recyclers. Because of this lockdown, it is problematic because they can no longer go out and hustle. So they don't have money, they don't have food. Many people decided to go there and be quarantined with the homeless people. They just went to the quarantine site for the sake of getting food because now they can no longer sustain themselves.
0: Ish, lockdown doesn't want to finish. I was so happy that the restaurant was going to open, but hey, we don't know where we stand now. With us, there's no work, no pay. There aren't even any tips. So we're just waiting. But tomorrow, I want to go back and look for a better job. I don't know where. What was the specific connection that you found between food security issues and mental health during the lockdown?
1: We noticed particularly with some of our respondents who had lost their form of income that as the lockdown went on they were struggling more and more to get access to food to feed their families and themselves and this in turn seemed to play out with their levels of stress and anxiety and frustration in those diary entries so there was particularly an example of a Person in in our study who lived in the inner city of Pretoria, he described himself as a hustler. So he was a car guard um, during you know pre-lockdown. That's what that was how he made his money. And obviously during the lockdown, people couldn't move around, that form of income completely disappeared. And he related how him and other people that he knew who were also hustlers were struggling from the first week. And as the weeks went on, it was evident that they were struggling more and more, that their forms of food were dwindling. And another example was a a person who worked as a waiter in a restaurant, in a family restaurant. And she relayed to us the uncertainty of not knowing whether or not she was going to go back, because obviously, you know, we didn't know whether restaurants were going to open. So she lost her job and... In the diary entries, we kind of follow her journey as, she, as lockdown regulations ease and she went back to the restaurant only to find out that she still didn't have her job. And at the same time, she was speaking about the impact that this was having on her household, that she had children to support, that she was struggling to feed them. So we saw on a very granular level, people's anxieties were tied a lot to whether they were able to have a meal or to look after the people in their household. And that, on a small level, just from those two examples, supported broader research, which um, has been undertaken in some of those bigger surveys, which showed that food security was a key determinant of worry and depressed moods across the lockdown and that it was often hunger which was one of the biggest predictor of psychological distress during the hard lockdown i think to miriam it's this is such a unique research concept
0: that you were that you were accessing uh, diary entries and getting findings from that so how did you actually go about getting diary entries from people
2: the idea initially was was to snowball and and to identify through our networks and our academic community networks a, a, a sort of group of volunteers who would be willing to provide us with daily diaries and because we were all under lockdown it was most it was all digital it was through whatsapp and and so we, we were recruiting for volunteers who would be willing to provide us with these daily diaries and through our networks, through sort of networks of networks, we were able to identify 25 people who say they would do this. And it was, it was submitted digitally through WhatsApp and, and we, we, really, we really designed a, a survey that was generally very open. All we wanted to get from them was what's happening on your end, what did you observe today, what did you do. It was more an open brief. And participants could send a voice note, they could send a text message, they could send videos. Um, Because it was WhatsApp, it's sort of a multimedia platform, they could send emojis. So it really allowed participants an open brief to almost share with us uh, their daily comings and goings and what they were observing from from wherever they were locked down. So as an approach, I, I think we found it very constructive, even for us as academics, because we normally have a longer time to design research projects and to really write out sort of the questionnaire and what we're going to ask but because of the Rapid way in which lockdowns were implemented. We also had to really be nimble and innovative in how we figured this out and how we designed it. We collected the diaries and from other other reports we've written about this is that we were really uh, touched and and impressed by the consistency of most of the respondents to suppliers with diary entries almost every day. This especially for the province of Teng was uh, was rare because no I think we, we 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 captured a moment in a specifically in a specific way Way, but also in a very unique way because you we were able to capture these granular stories of what's happening outside your window and going through one, one respondent's day-to-day life. It was really um, enlightening for us as academics, as researchers and as planning and urban students who are trying to understand how the city functions in cases of crisis like this. It was, it was quite unprecedented. And um, yeah, the, the findings, we've been able to publish them just to showcase the, 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 val- the value of such an approach because we could get components of, this of, of Houteng, like the spatiality of how Tang, like how different spaces function in, 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 in times like these, and whether or not they were able to support households or how households are able to experience this based on where they were. We've written a report about sort of street life and and how people experienced going to the shops and how social distancing was enforced in different neighbourhoods, depending on, again, the speciality of it. And this is the third issue, which we we went deeper on the mental health and the anxiety issues, but not just the downside of this, but also how households and communities were able to cope. So we were able to glean all these different thematic aspects out of 35-day worth of diaries coming from different parts of the province so methodologically it was it was really an enlightening process for us and we've been able to really learn a lot from from this process
0: the hard lockdown in south africa affected people emotionally and mentally but there were also problems relating to food security thanks for tuning in to this episode of pasha produced by ozair patel from me Kagure gacheche bye for now